Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's reason. M O L M M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, it's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto tune that. Put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got Disney paint. <laughs> Welcome to another puzzling episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that never looks at tips or walkthroughs or answers to any puzzles along the way to our entirely self-sufficient, completionist, idealistic adventures through gaming. We've never Googled how to solve this, asked anyone. It's just strictly our brains. Because why would we, right? Wouldn't dream of it. The games aren't difficult, right? And and we're super smart. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, my name is Ben Helms, and I'm joined as always by my yarn-weaving, pastry-baking, Mog-Chothra seducing big brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How's it going, man? I'm going to murder a hexapole. <laughs> I'm just going to absolutely strangle one with its own yarny, wiry body. Did you call them hexapoles? Hexapole? What are they called? Hexapals? Oh, hexapals. <laughs> yeah, they're our pals. Yeah. They help us. Yeah. They, they dance with us. Oh, my. My hexy pal. And, of <laughs> course, no show would be complete without, without our other co-host, uh, who's officially been with us for a year now, by what? the way. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? What? Are yeah, you serious? I know. The hexagal to our hexapals. Corgi Vaughn. Ben, tell me you were recording the video on that because she was so surprised. It was so thrilling. Uh, I'm not (laughs) recording the video on that. Oh, man. Everyone will just have to take Jason's word for it. I was very surprised. I can't believe it's been an entire year of this. I know. That's amazing. Unfortunately, we did a couple Star Wars games, so you haven't done a full year's worth of games. Right. But you did like four or five games before that, so you've done more than a quarter of the games that we've done as a podcast. Yeah. Wow. Happy anniversary guys. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. I'd like to hereby award you, uh, with the title of hardcore gamer. Wow. You have now. Uh, I have have kept this gate, uh, as I'm wont to do as it is appropriate. (laughs) And I I talked to the other, uh, male gamers and we've all agreed. Wow. We're now, we're now ready. Wow. Begrudgingly to allow you. We'll accept this fedora. (laughs) with pride thank you my lady oh goodness gracious anyway today uh we're gonna be talking about a game that we've referenced a bunch of times i think this place or this game is probably coming second place the most when we're like what game should we do next and it's broken age or broken age or and we always pick the or game over these past five years now so uh but yeah it's 2015's broken age another tim schaefer jam uh, and it actually came out five years ago this month. So happy anniversary, Tim and Double Fine and Jack Black and Elijah Wood and all the people that were involved in making this game. So anything to say before we jump into the development? Uh, just that it's going to be a little bit of a shorter development today. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, uh, you know, we know it's short. Uh, the reason for that is there is a 12-hour docuseries uh, called Double Fine Adventure which you can find on YouTube and we'll be tweeting about and linking to, and we're going to do a whole side quest on that. So rather than doing kind of a, a crummy job of covering all of the documentary stuff before we've watched it in, in its completion, uh, we're just going to cover the, the big beats now. And then everybody can watch along with us and see how that went from the ground level of this docuseries, which I've watched a little bit of and is really good. Yeah. So we will have a very, very long episode on that later, but not full 12 hour episode, but We'll see how much we can condense those 12 hours into one podcast episode, basically. 
Uh, so, Broken Age was developed by Tim Schafer, his first lead on a game since 98's Grim Fandango, which was a LucasArts game when he was at LucasArts from 89 to uh, through Grim Fandango. So, <laughs> I just like the idea of Grim Fandango as like a period of time, like in the year of our Lord, Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since that age. Uh, and so Double Fine, he started right after that, and they had big hits with Psychonauts, uh, Brutal Legend, and The Cave. We've played two of those three. Someday we'll play Brutal Legend. Uh, but despite those pretty big successes in indie gaming, publishers apparently weren't too excited about funding adventure puzzle games, which were like things of the past. And Tim Schafer keeps finding like creative ways to make them new and not just making Day of the Tentacle over and over and over again, which I wouldn't mind. But apparently game publishers would mind that and people wouldn't buy those games. So they decided to fund the game entirely on their own with the help of 87,000 people that supported their Kickstarter. My husband was one of those people. Are you serious? Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Go Keo. Yeah, this is why when um, I initially, you know, you have, we've been talking about this game forever and I have no memory at all. Uh, And so I sat down to start playing. I bought it on the Switch and Keo walked in as I started it and he's like, oh, you're playing Broken Age again? I was like, sorry. Uh, And then I looked at it and I was like, Oh, this is this is the Mog Chathra one, isn't it? And he was like, uh, "Yeah, that's what you remembered." Yeah, the Mog Chathra game. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, we played this like when it came out five years ago after I did the Kickstarter." And I was like, "Mm-hmm." I remember we set it that's up amazing. on the TV in the living room in Santa Barbara. The whole thing. That's awesome. Just straight forgot. So yes, my husband was in on that Kickstarter from the beginning. That's cool. So yeah, we'll go in depth on the whole Kickstarter and why they did this and that. But basically they, they set a goal for $400,000 to to fund the whole game as well as a a documentary that would accompany that. Uh, But they ended up tripling that goal within the first 24 hours. And they ended up being the first Kickstarter to ever make over $2 million. And it's the largest ever crowdfunded video game project. It ended up getting $3.4 million in funding. So that's why the documentary is 12 hours long. Yeah. (laughs) But you can see this is a game with money behind it. For sure. It's got that big Frodo money. Big Frodo money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, up, uh, they released Act 1 in 2014 and then Act 2 in 2015. I kept waiting for Act 3. It, it didn't happen. The game ended. So <laughs> I was like, Where is, when is Act 3? It's got to be really small. No, it just was, no, nope, didn't happen. Just over. Two acts. It's two over. Acts. Yeah. Um, with the, uh, the game and how I was saying that uh, the documentary was kind of a big part of the point of making this game was that, you know, he really wanted to, Schaefer really wanted to show this entire journey of what it's like to make a game. And as he put it, he was like, and I like attention. So I liked the idea of, you know, having something like this to document the entire journey. So really the making of the documentary is not just like a side thing that they happened to do with this, but was actually really central to the creation of the game. And of course, got people super into it and excited uh, with the Kickstarter and all of that. Uh, and you mentioned, of course, the Frodo-ness of this and that the Kickstarter is what got Elijah Wood involved in the first place. That's awesome. So that he basically was like, 
oh, I am a huge Tim Schafer fanboy. Like, wow, huge. He had, uh, in fact, let me read you a great quote from him because it's pretty great. He said, uh, it all really started when I saw Tim's Kickstarter campaign. Uh, even though it had far exceeded its target, I contributed as well. I mean, I was a huge fan of Tim's games. Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle shaped my teenage years, and he was the first game designer I really knew by name. Wow. He asked, oh, so he reached out to Tim Schafer. He said, uh, he asked if I'd be interested, and I said, I'd be honored. We didn't know whether uh, he might just want to do a cameo or something, Schaefer said, but he said, no, I'll do Shay. And he was great. Uh, apparently, Elijah Wood is such a giant LucasArts fanboy that he's like the straight obnoxious kind who can't help quoting it regularly. Uh, awesome. And so the entire time that they were recording this game, he was constantly making references to lines and characters that Schaefer had written in his LucasArts heyday. Oh my god! Yeah, right? <laughs> so he's like straight up, basically it's like someone coming up to him and like saying Lord of the Rings things, you know? He's just right. quoting old Schaefer lines back at him. Uh, and just as a side thing, because of Kentucky Route Zero, um, Elijah Wood is a huge gamer, uh, and his recent favorite as of the publication of this uh, interview was Kentucky Route Zero. Wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's awesome. So there you go. Wow. He's all up in this, man. He's a giant wow. fanboy. He loves the LucasArts. He loves the indie games. Uh, and that's part of the story of how this got made. There's not a lot about how other people like Jack Black and Will Wheaton and stuff got involved, who also it's kind of fun. I don't know if you guys did this as you were playing along. Where you're like, wait, is that Jack Black or is that Will Wheaton? Because that's straight what I did. He was Harmony, right? Yeah, Harmony. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Who was okay. Will Wheaton? He's like, he's the lumberjack guy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. As soon as I heard him, I was like, yeah, that's Will Wheaton. Curtis. Yes. There you go. Uh, yeah, that was great. The hipster lumberjack. For sure. He was so good. Yeah. That's all That's all that I want to. I mean, I don't know if this comes up in the documentary, but I figured just as far as Better. talking about the development stuff, I wanted to make sure we got that out there because I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. I was thinking about Jack Black, Tim Schafer, and Elijah Wood all being obviously big parts of this game. And they were three of the probably... 10 most influential people that I didn't know personally, like on my life in my adolescence. Oh, wow. I'll be darned. Three, three of the I top mean, seven, maybe like they're pretty big. I guess I didn't recognize that Jack Black would have been on that list. I absolutely would have said the other two. I would say musically alone. And then also uh, just like yeah. personality for sure. Yeah. yeah. I can see that for sure. Interesting. Well, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of great voice talent in this. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, including also invader Zim is in it. Uh, he's the weaver. Oh, nice. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Once you, once you hear it, you hear it. Yeah. Um, and also the creator of, of Adventure Time. Oh, no way. Is That's so many people. In this. Yeah. Oh my he God. plays the fella that you might remember hanging by his underpants from the tree sort of early on in the oh, Vela yeah. storyline. The guy that, um, uh, when you live in the clouds, a bathroom is never too far away. <laughs> <laughs> Game's full of wisdom. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so yes. Good. Yeah, so that's and the creator of Adventure Time. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. And yeah. Alex was actually voiced by Alex Rigopoulos, um, who is a game designer and was uh, one of the main people behind uh, Guitar Hero and uh, later Rock Band. Uh, Jeez. Interestingly enough, the character of Alex is also based on Alex Rigopoulos. So it's wow. not just voiced. It's uh, because he was a major backer. Nice. Uh, very oh, early on. Oh, there you they, go. They brought him in. How nice. fun. Jeez, that's crazy. All right, gameplay. 
Gameplay! Pew, 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 Play the game! Where do you want to start? You want to start Vela or Shay? Where did you guys start? Do you have an oh, option? Oh, that's good. Yes. You do. Okay. Yeah, and you can pretty quickly switch back and forth. I, I always know it's there, but then I was like, if I make one decision yeah. like that, I'm going to lose it. So I started with Vela. I started with Me Vela. Too. Jason started yeah. with Vela. Yeah. Ayo, three for three. I feel like the reason was, and I don't know if it was random for you two, the reason was I saw, where did she start? Uh, in the bakery, I think, at home. Or no, no, she's she's sitting against a tree. That's all you see. And yeah. then he's sitting in his like spaceship in his bed, I think. Um, and I was just like, yeah, I don't really want to do space. I've done the space thing. Mm -hmm. And I liked, I saw hers. I was like, that looked like something I've never done before. Yeah. Can I say that was honestly, it made his storyline a little bit more of a chore for me, the space thing. Totally. And I think it is compounded by quarantine that I mm. hated yeah. being in an enclosed space on this spaceship the entire yeah. time that I was playing. And I just wanted to get back to Vela. So I was like, I know it's going to, it's going to switch over and I can go back to her. And then it was like, then she's on the spaceship. And I was like, God damn it. Totally. <sighs> but yeah, I think the, the space thing, I had the exact same thought process. I was like, I want to do the like outdoor cool thing and not the spaceship. I hadn't reflected on it like that, but I had the exact same feeling. Like I hated Shay's storyline. Yeah. Uh, for the first act, like it was I was so bored. Mm. I was so annoyed. And I, I think that's intentional. Right. Uh, right. Shay is bored. Right. Yeah. And they are communicating that to you. This It wasn't like poorly done. It's, there's um, so much like repetition in Shay's story because you're just trying to figure out how to. That's the thing is, as him, how do I break out of this routine? Which mission would you like to do today? Yeah. In this story, you've got Shay, who is this kid who's. Uh, on this spaceship who is overprotected by this mom computer. And he goes on missions every day, but they are pre-planned safe things that end in hugs and ice cream and whatnot. Save the stuffed animals from the ice cream avalanche. Right. You know, there's no real harm that can possibly be done. Uh, and you have to try to figure out how to break out of that. And so I think that, yeah, you're right in that. Yeah, you get kind of bored because you just have to try every option and figure out sometimes multiple times, which is annoying. And you're like, just how do I how do I break out of this? What's the trick? And it's a lot. So I played Vela's for a while before even trying out Shays and then got stuck uh, really bad on a puzzle. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll switch to the other one. Uh, maybe I don't know the relationship. Maybe they mm. inform each other. And after like five minutes of playing this Shay, I was like, nope, I'm just going to beat my head against this wall. I'm going to go back to Vela because I'm not going back to that. <laughs> So I thought they did a good job of of leading you down yeah. a path that's like, oh, she's of the old world, he's of the new world, he's in the future, right. she's in the past. And Day of the Tentacle, they messed with time a lot. And so I was like, oh, that's a really cool thing to do. And I, I saw that coming, and then you meet Alex, who's like this spaceman from hundreds of years ago. And I was like, oh, that's they're flipping it. The old world is actually the future, and Shay, the kid, grew up in, into Alex, for whatever reason the name is different or whatever. And then... At the end of Act One, you realize that's not at all true. It's a great <laughs> twist early on. Yes. It is a very good twist. I had forgotten that, by the way. Of course, like I said, I have no memory. I forgot where it went. Yeah. And I walked out into the living room and I was like, Keo, I was Magchathra. You were Magchathra. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's such a good twist. It's yeah. such a good twist. <laughs> so it, it's, it reminds me of 
it's something that might be, I can't think of a specific comparison, but something that would be better as a novel, the, the idea of mm. kind of Shay's, um, I don't know if it'd be like Stockholm syndrome or like disillusionment or, or illusionment, I guess, but it, it, the idea that he didn't know who his parents were, that he didn't know he was on a spaceship, like had he never met his parents? That's what I didn't understand. Like when he, when he sees them at the end of act one, he's like, Oh yeah, it's dad. Right. I can't believe I didn't believe you were my dad. Like, where did that weird brainwashing come from? Did they ever explain that? No, a lot of people had issues with that. Um, when I was reading reviews, okay. um, I didn't cause it was just goofy Tim Schafer adventure gaminess that when he's like, like yeah. the reveal of the dad below the space helmet, when you think his dad's just a floating orb, uh, was just for sure. It was such a funny gag that I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's like, I wondered once or twice and was like, eh, don't go down that path. It's fine. Just don't think about it. I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something, but yeah, I could, I can get on board with that. Yeah. I feel like this is an expectations thing. You know, if, if you're used to these games, you're like, yeah, that adds up as opposed to maybe if this is the first time that you've, if you signed on to this because you like Elijah Wood and he told you to play this game, then you might be like, what? That's fair. What just happened? Uh, and then, oh, Jay, I was going to follow up with you. You said that you liked Vela's story a lot. What about Act 2 when they switched? Did you feel like you still liked Vela's or did you? I still I still liked Vela's. Oh, OK. I was going to say it switched with me. Where yeah, I... So it wasn't Vela's world. I liked. Yeah, I like I liked Vela. I just <laughs> liked the way she interacted with stuff. Yeah. I thought she always had interesting things going on. Um and so that when when Shay was going through Vela's stuff, it it really did feel like rehashing old things. Whereas Vela going through Shay's stuff, it felt like a completely new world. Uh, and all of a sudden, Shay's world was actually really enjoyable. Mm. Um, so part of that's the character, and part of it I think is just the way it fell, which is the way the puzzles were designed. It mainly when you were Shay, you were just doing the same things that Vela had done, you know, interacting with the same yeah. characters. Whereas with when you were Vela, all of a sudden you you really see that world in a completely different way. You know, Merrick is not your friend now; he's your enemy. Uh, you know who the people are that are quarantined. Yeah. Uh, you can go certain places and you can't go other places. Does she have much of a character arc? I mean, I, I was just thinking about the fact that I loved how driven she was the whole time. And she meets Hope, right? Is uh, Shay's mom. She's like, cool. So we're going to destroy this place. We're going to like light it on fire. We're going to, we're going to make a bomb. We're going to explode it. We have to kill this Merrick guy. Uh, we got to do this and this. And Hope's just like, Oh goodness, I guess. Well, you seem so driven, but like, She's like that from the very beginning, <laughs> which I guess I didn't, I don't mind at all. I don't think it's a bad right. thing, but I'm just thinking as like a writer, I'm like, doesn't she have to have like a big character like swing? And obviously Shay does where he like realizes who his parents are and he's like trying to get back to them and trying to save everybody. For me, she had it in like her first scene because she's all set to be sacrificed. Oh, that's true. Like she's not excited about it. Yeah, she wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not resisting in that first kind of birthday party scene. She's checking they, in with her parents. Yeah. And grandpa. Uh, she's made her peace with mm -hmm. it, and and her grandpa kind of has given her some some reservations, and she's rethinking it. It's fun because I think there's across the two of them, you have the entire hero's journey, but they they each have it differently, and so I I think that's kind of interesting. Yep. Do we want to explain what she's doing in her yeah arc or like in her story? You do you want to go for it? <laughs> I just um when you're playing Vela in this game. You're starting with her getting ready for a sacrifice, basically. It looks when you first walk in like it's a birthday party and everybody's like excited. Uh, and then you find out that it's actually uh, this celebration before she is one of several girls who are going to be sacrificed to this monster, Mog Chothra, so that he will not destroy the town. And yep. so it happens, what, every 14 years? Is that the... 
the way Sounds it works. Right. Uh, yeah. Kind of a Hunger Gamesy type thing. And she is one of these, so she is going to go out there. She's going to be sacrificed, and then she gets into her head like maybe uh, we don't have to be sacrificed, and we should just fight this thing, and then we won't have to keep sacrificing uh, young girls. But I think it's such an interesting part of this storyline that they are so kind of, I guess, indoctrinated into this that they look forward to it. And all these girls who are about to die are just like, yes, let me die for Mog Jothra. And they're so excited about the entire process. And so this makes her this like very standout character. And anytime she wants to talk about it, I love throughout the um, first act through her part of that uh, whenever she talks to people and she's figuring out, like, I need to, like, disguise why I'm here. I shouldn't just say to people, I want to kill Mog because they're going to be like, why would you do that? That's not what we do. And so she's kind of overcoming yeah. every society around there and their worship of this ritual as she moves forward. And no one else had even questioned it. No one questions it. It's just kind of, it is an honor and... You yeah. just got to do it and be happy about it. Yeah. And in fact, you meet characters who are like upset, like the girl who is upset that she wasn't picked and she's just left oh, sitting yeah. there waiting in the in the swing with the carcasses yeah. of the costumes of the other girls yeah. next to her. That Shay had picked. Yeah. Uh, quick spoiler alert for Parasite. Uh, but it's the guy in the basement, right? Who is saying, you know, respect Mr. Park, the guy who is in, mm-hmm. in love. Uh, right. Gosh. Yeah. Light, light in the and stairs. It's you know we we learn to love our chains um, because they are ours and we know them and they're part of it. Spoiler yeah. alert for uh, Plato's cave allegory. Oh my gosh! That's how that cave. <laughs> Speaking of the cave, yeah. Uh, every high schooler is just like, yes. Tell me more. Is that is that what high schoolers <laughs> like? Yeah. They, they love that on, stuff. The, on their TikTok. <laughs> yeah, talking about exactly. idealist philosophers. No, they're like studying for That's their true. AP exams and they're like. Now I know what that's about. Uh, by the way, strong Ender's Game vibes from Shay on a spaceship. Didn't want to be there. Uh, they need his unique ability as far like when Merrick needs his ability to like do the claw game to get all the little tiny animal people uh, who are actually real people, I guess. Uh, and then he's doing that horrible act while he thinks that he's doing good. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And yet Tim Schafer is not horrifically homophobic. Also oh, a really no. good point. So it well, shows wait. that that's not a requirement for writing that. Oh, wow. Oh, did, did Ben I just learn something? That. Oh, Sorry, Ben. Yeah, All sorry right, about that. Well. I, I don't envy the reading that you're about to yeah. do tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a sad oh. Google it's not, search. It's not going to be a fun Man. Wikipedia hole. I'm glad I read that and enjoyed it before I knew that, at least. And now I can hate it. <laughs> Is that okay? I'm glad I used to be ignorant. The way to do it. That's always my, uh, my way of looking at it, is if you liked a thing before you found out, the person who did it was trash. You get to keep it. Yes. But you yeah. should also steal yes. it if you like ever need another copy or whatever. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Good to know. Every Miramax movie. Every yeah. Miramax <laughs> movie. Exactly. Steal it. I like it. I guess that's a little more complicated. And then also big allusions to Loom. Did you catch those, Jason? Yes. I was just wanted to talk about, to you about it because I highlighted it on the on the Google Doc. Okay, sweet. Let's do that question and, I, and we'll talk about Loom. So I was going to say this at the end. We might need to if we need to think about it. But uh, basically, Alex's ship was powered by or navigated by, I guess, by music. And then Shay's ship, Weaving. Uh, and my question to you two was, what's your ship going to be driven by if you had a ship that you had to power or navigate? While Corey gets to think about yes. that, let me explain the Loom reference. Loom is an old point and click adventure 
which we covered in a, a month, two years, two or three years ago. Yes, it's it's a previous game. Go check it out. It's good. Where in point and click adventure, you typically have a verb like open. You'd click open and then you'd click on a door. So Loom is a really cool game that has no verbs. Instead, you have a musical staff and you play songs. And so early on, you see a bird whistle something and a door opens. And then you repeat that and the door opens. And then later you have to close something. Like five minutes later, this is how it tutorializes it. So how are you going to close it? They, they haven't taught you that. Well, you just reverse the melody and suddenly the door closes. Mm-hmm. And so once you solve that, all of a sudden the whole game starts to just open up and you're like, oh, I can just sing anything and I just need to. It's a really, really cool system. But it's also all built on this weaving metaphor that these people are called weavers and they're weaving the threads of time through music. And so we've got these two ships that are music and weaving. It's just a big loom reference. That's so good. I didn't realize it until I was like writing up the notes. And I was like, yeah, music and weaving. And oh my gosh, those are the two things from loom, which is. And now no one will ever ask me about loom. No, never again. Which is a dumb Monkey Island joke. That was great. But yeah, it's this weird, like under the radar in the sense that it's not like a big pop culture reference, but Mm. very, very influential game and like well-known in adventure puzzle games. It came out in 1990, LucasArts game. So. What was the question? The question was, if you had a ship, what would yours be powered and kind of navigated by? So my kind of the the way I framed it for myself was it has to be something that like I'm good at or that I enjoy and something that has some sort of pattern. I was trying to think of something that would go into both music and weaving in that way. Not that yours has to have a pattern, but for me, I was like, oh, drums seems to be kind of the obvious one. It's the first instrument that I fell in love with. Easy patterns, obviously, musically, but the fact that I love... I'd love to, you know, I'd have like a robot drummer or I would be the drummer on my ship to just like, oh, play this drum beat for however long to get us to this location. I like I like that idea. How about you two? Mine would be um JRPG battle system. Mm. Uh maybe uh, probably a Shin Megami Tensei. I, I just really lock into those and I could play those forever. And I like the idea that that in playing those, you know, I'm prov- providing some kind of service. I'm I'm doing some kind of labor. Yeah. And so hypothetically, we could turn that labor into power. We could we could do something cool with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, if we could harness the power of everyone playing solitaire on their computers, you know, wh- what could we do with that? Fascinating. That That's from the guy who invented uh, CAPTCHA. Uh, that was his idea. Oh, CAPTCHA. Wow. Uh... Yeah. Well, yeah, he <laughs> he realized uh, that it could be harnessed for good. And so it was the recaptcha where you're what you're actually doing when you do the recaptchas is you are doing OCR. They're giving you scanned text that the computer can't read. And so one of them is a thing the computer could read, and the second one is one the computer can't read, and it never tells you which is which. So one of them, it's checking you to make sure you're a person, and the other one, it's using the fact that you are a person to scan a book. So we're the AI's labor force. Yeah. We're working for them. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Isn't that cool? Well, It's already good. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot to think about. It is. Stop stalling. It's, no, I, I think I, I thought of one immediately. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that you're powered by Conundra. <laughs> wow, you guys, you ever thought about that? You? I also never you? thought about the plural of conundrum before. Uh, it's all I think about. <laughs> oh, wow. It's all night. That's probably not too far off. It's that thing, Ben, where you get a word stuck in your head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah no we all do that i get yeah, that since that's sure. a thing that we all do i'm a normal i understand <laughs> bowl that happens to me too bowl okay can my ship be powered by trivia bowl oh i love it yeah well like, i was not that far off yeah like i know like that's the funny thing is i'm like ah, that's actually is i thought riddles and then i was like i'm actually bad at riddles but 
um, trivia. Like the music thing made me think if there were patterns and whatnot, if potentially there was trivia, that was the way that you would get things to be related. Kind of like a, you know, what is it? A Dharmic and Jalad at Tanagra type thing from Star Trek. I'm sorry. No. What now? Falling flat with this crowd, by the way. <laughs> okay, this last week. Lucas Arts game podcast. Last week, Jason made a Star Trek reference and I just went with it. It's true. But basically, the idea that uh, they talk to each other in allegories. Uh, and so it's untranslatable right. to other people. Say the reference again Dar- Dharmic and Jalad at Tanagra, I think is what it's called. Man. There's there's a saying from that episode that I see in memes all the time. Yeah, it's the yeah the um it's like Tembo with his arms wide. Yeah, the, and yeah. Shaka when the walls fell. Shaka when the walls yeah, fell. That's exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. Shaka when the walls fell. That's what this. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's really good. It's a really good. Right, episode. and so it's this idea that like you, the only way you can understand the language they're speaking is if you already have their frame of reference of their mythology in your head already and then their answers make sense the way that they interact with each other so i feel like you could do that with trivia that it would have to be somehow you know a question points to a place if you wanted to travel somewhere you would be asked a question that would somehow have an answer that would take you there or to open a door something that would be a trivia question that would relate to that so that's my trivia i like that thanks it's not not really a pattern but i mean way to kobayashi maru that Corey. (laughs) Thank you. Nice work. Well played. Well played. I understand stuff sometimes. Yeah, I, I'll give you that one. <laughs> By the way, I just kept hearing Dharma and Gelato. That's what I heard. Which was like a terrible spinoff of Dharma. Oh, and Dharma. No. Horrible ice cream place. Where she 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 finds a beautiful Italian man. Hmm, I'd watch. Oh, man. <laughs> and devours him. Uh, by the way, the Mog Jam pun. Pretty sure the whole game was created around that pun. The what? When the Mog Chathras were hitting each other at the oh. very end, he goes, "It's like looked like we got looks like we got ourselves a bit of a Mog Jam, <laughs> bit of a Mog Jam." <laughs> okay, so let's talk second half because this is I, I feel like we're actually delaying, mm. right? I think we've been procrastinating. We are. The first half was so fun because the general consensus from the reviewers is first half was pretty fun. Yeah. Some of the puzzles were a little too easy. Yeah. I did not share that opinion because sometimes the puzzles were a little hard for me even in the first half they're kind of all over the place yeah it was a good balance i thought yeah, in I the thought first so. yeah, yeah, yeah i agree and it's a pretty contained world you could figure stuff out if you walked around long enough i felt like yeah, yeah. this is what yeah i felt like this was really fun for me as like not super great at puzzle games but i really want to try i don't yeah. want to be looking at a walkthrough the whole time that yeah. i think i may have looked something up like once when i was just like i am completely like lost but overall i felt like i was able to figure it out eventually yeah i got very angry about the ladder opening the mouth uh yeah at the end of it i eventually was was like what the i liked that one but remember their audience all these kickstarter people are you know big adventure game nerds and so their reaction seems to have been uh well that was pretty easy you know i wanted to spend more time staring at this game there's some people that really associate quality of game with hours played well be careful what you wish for. Holy cow. The second half was hard. So one of the things before we jump into how hard it really was, which we will. Uh, <laughs> oh, will we? I, there's a part of me that's always sad when these games are over. I think especially for a new game, when we finished them, we'd park. It was just like, oh, or even Kentucky Route Zero it was like, well, that's done. I can't play that game for the first time ever again. Right. And so when I'm if I gave 25 bucks to this game or 50 or 100, whatever it might be to this game and it felt like I was a part of it and Kickstarter getting those weekly updates from Tim and Elijah and Jack and all that. Like 
and it comes out and you play the first half and you're like diving into it in a whole year. The second half, even though, yes, it's much harder, there's a part of it that most of those puzzles that I consider hard were just if I'd like wandered around long enough and clicked on enough things and combined enough things, combined it enough things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would have figured it out eventually. I felt like with most of those until we I get to the not. Hexapel um, <laughs> wiring. I don't know. It just seemed like because the worlds were so small and the, you know, the verbs and the nouns were small enough. I would, we would have figured them out eventually. I did. <laughs> I did use walkthroughs at some point. No, I just sat with the walkthrough open after a while. Yeah. Cause I was like, I literally can't figure out anything. For sure. And it was the things that frustrated me were that it's one thing if I can get stuff from an inventory or whatever and kind of mm-hmm. mess with it or whatever, but then it would be stuff like I have to go in this door and then come back out this door and then go through this hole and then go back up yeah. through this one. And if I don't do it, my head won't shrink you know, or, like, or my head won't grow in the second half or things like that. Like those kinds of puzzles, I felt like in the first half that was rare. There was the one head shrinking thing in the first. That, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just the one head shrinking. And then the second half, I felt like I was constantly in this place where it was like, I, what, like trying to lead the little thingamajigger through the thing by hitting lightning bolts along the way or, or like oh, by knocking out the no. lights. And st- I'm like, how would I have ever come up with that except to play for a very, very long time where it's the yeah. only possible thing left. <laughs> you know? Yeah. One of the reviews I read said uh, the puzzles in the second half weren't difficult. They were tedious. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good distinction. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's a good point. Could be both because yeah. And it's, I think that, that there's a couple levels here of difficulty tedium. Uh, the first is when you're going through your entire inventory and clicking on something, I feel like the game has failed, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's no longer fun. Now you are performing the function of a machine, just trying different random combinations. And you may at the end of that, you know, kind of kick yourself and be like, Oh, I see what they were going for. But it's that, Oh, of feeling like you didn't get a joke that someone made. Yeah. And then right. later looking it up at home. Like it's, it's not particularly fun and insightful. So I think the, the best puzzles are, are the ones that, you know, you do get to before you start randomly clicking on things yeah. uh, and you feel like you can figure out the, the first half did that for the most part. There were a few exceptions, but for the most part, they worked for me. And I think everybody has exceptions and they're going to be different for everyone. Yeah. yeah. That's um, what I was gonna say. The second half, though, especially the Hexap House, mm-hmm. which is if yeah. you're, you know, haven't played this game, this is a series of these are these robots that you can program with wire. And the way you program them is they have six pins on the back. And you string the wire between two pins and you put them into a particular shape and then it will work. But that's not true because that's everything the game has communicated to you uh, is that that's true. One, two, the game actually doesn't communicate that until well into the second person's playthrough. Like you have to be playing both characters and it does not communicate to you that you don't have that information yet, which is also really frustrating that you need to get that information from another thing. Yeah. yeah. Third, it never communicates to you that the direction matters. Oh um, my gosh, the direction. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just random guessing and you're like, okay, 50, 50 chance, but now you got to multiply it by three wires mm-hmm. across two worlds. And I thought, Oh, this, this is pretty easy. You know, how many combinations can there be? Well, a bunch, if you're not writing everything down, right? Also it's randomized. So walkthroughs don't help you there. <laughs> every, every game is totally randomized. So there's, hundreds of combinations per hexapal per thing you need to do because you need them to drum you need them to play the harp you need them to get navigation and you need them to dance just dance (laughs) yeah and you need them to dance yeah yeah right oh gosh 
Yeah. Uh, the the hexapals are impossible. Yeah, that was the point at which I was like, nah, I'm I'm gonna watch a walkthrough. Like, I'm just gonna YouTube it because I can't I can't do it anymore. The hexapals are are why when Ben texted early on and said, Hey, how do you do this puzzle? I just texted back walkthrough. And I really yeah. wasn't trying to be a yeah, jerk. Just I like, was just like, dude, I get it. You're tired, whatever. It's not <laughs> I I want you to yell at the screen and not at me. Yeah. Because <laughs> when we get here, it's going to be a frustrating experience. Yeah. And I already went through that frustrating experience. I'm going to let you go solo on it. I don't want to be involved in that again. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. It, you're just going to think that I'm withholding something like the answer and to the puzzle. It was, I'm, like, I'm not even hinting. the first time you I figured it out, I didn't wire, understand man. what I was doing. And yeah. you have to do it like four or five you times. Know, and in that both happened worlds. to me a couple times just on other puzzles in there, too. Or like the thing where you're leading it through and hitting the electricity and whatnot that I was like, I'd do something and I'd be like, I don't. I don't actually know what I did, but that time it finally worked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I guess that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it happened. I think we got distracted plot wise. So let me just try and sum up the plot again real quick. So, so Vela is going to be fed to a monster. Uh, She escapes, tries to uh, kill the monster through a series of adventures, goes to different towns, including one that floats in the air and one that's by the seashore and they make everything out of sandcastles. And then she meets this guy named Alex who is some kind of space traveler and you're like, oh, maybe Alex is Shay or they're from the same world or something like that. Meanwhile, Shay's in a uh, spaceship and he breaks out of this loop of inconsequentiality to discover this stowaway in the spaceship named Merrick, who says not Malik as in Darth Malik. Oh, thank you. Which I thought the whole game, by the way. Yes. Is that a uh, Knights of the Old Republic okay. reference? <laughs> it's like, I get that that must be from a Star Wars. But it's a from a Star Wars. Yeah. yeah OK. Yeah. <laughs> so Merrick uh, says, hey, I want to give you some real missions. We're going to do some real stuff. We're going to save some people. And you play these mini games where you uh, it's like the claw game where you like grab things with the claw. You know, the claw game. Like you in Toy it. Story. Anyway, like in Toy Story. <laughs> Jeff Pigeon, the voice of the claw. You got it. Uh, of the yeah, we all know anyway. that. Yeah. So you play the little claw game and you save the little people, but they've got to be in quarantine and you can't get to them. And then uh, finally, at the end. Shay's ship is attacked. Meanwhile, Vela finally attacks Mog Chathra, and listener, you can hear what's going to happen in the twist because <gasps> Shay was inside Mog Chathra the whole time. And those people he was claw gaming, those were girls that were being sacrificed to Mog Chathra. Uh, and he's abducting them. He's the bad guy. What? And then they switch places. He falls out of the ship. She jumps into the ship. Well, she jumps into Mog Chathra yeah. and discovers there's a spaceship inside. And that's confusing for her. <laughs> uh, then she solves a series of puzzles. He solves a series of puzzles. Uh, she goes to the uh, beyond the plague wall where the home base is, where this is all being sent out. What a strange world that was built in Tim's mind. Right. There's a kind of convoluted plot behind that. But anyway, she saves the day and blows up the factory that Mog Chathras are made in and escapes in a stolen Mog Chathra. Meanwhile, Shay gets Alex's ship working and they go all the way back to the plague wall and they meet right outside the plague wall and run into each other. And then you've got to solve a finale there. And that, I think, right at the finale is where the game falls apart. Oh, wow. That's where. I think, like, some of the puzzles you do in between, even with the hexapals, are, like, okay. Yeah. But in the finale, it's just all hexapals all the time. You know why it falls apart for Jason Helms? Why? Oh, boy. It's no longer a slow clicker. There you go. Uh, right? Was there something I had to do? Everything's timed. You have to do, you have to do everything, like, really quickly. And if you don't do it, mm-hmm. someone walks in, you have to do the whole puzzle over again. Yeah. Oh no, I I didn't have any puzzles get interrupted that way. I didn't know it was timed. Oh well, well never mind then. You did. You're doing great. <laughs> so 
No, I, it, it fell apart because the the puzzles seemed tedious and the story didn't yeah. move. Right. So yeah, the finale true, yeah. is they're sitting out the, outside the wall. It's the peak of the excitement in terms of the story. And yet you've got another hour or two of just like doing random combinations on hexapals and you know what you want to have happen. You just can't make it happen. And then you finally do. And the game ends like 30 seconds later. Yeah, like I hate that. Yeah. And then they saw each other and they're OK. It's OK. Yeah. It's done. The whole ending cutscene of just like Merrick or it wasn't even Merrick. It was Merrick's boss like grabs her. And then she just kind of gets out of it and punches him. It's like, like wait, okay. I mean, it's cool that she can save herself, but it just seemed like kind of a pointless thing to happen. Yeah. It's not the payoff you're looking for at the end of this. Yeah. Entire game. And he jumps to her. I guess I like that when he jumps to his mom. Yeah. That was a good moment. Gary grabbing Gary ends up grabbing him, saving his Gary. life. Mm. Mm. I feel like you should have had a closer, like one scene with him, like talking to grabbing Gary at the beginning, I think would have sealed that relationship for me. Yeah. It was just alluding to the fact that they had a relationship, Yeah, it was, which is not true. the same as right. actual character development. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it felt like at the end, like, um, do you ever play with, uh, like GI Joe's or dolls with your friends when you're a kid and you're both telling the same story, but you're like one upping each other. <laughs> yeah. And yet nobody's one upping anybody. It's just like getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then the aliens attacked, yeah. but then they went to the beauty shop. But then at the beauty shop, the combs turned into candy bars. Oh, but the candy bars were, and it's like, yeah, this is going nowhere. And you can feel it just spinning out of control. And you're like, I don't, I'm not really having fun anymore. That's kind of how the ending felt to me. <laughs> it's a good comparison, actually. I like that. Thank you. And, and I, I feel like I'm going to be overly negative on this game. And I really don't want to be because uh, yeah. I loved the characters. I love the world. Yeah. Building. I mean, it's worth pointing out that this is like a very, very beautiful game. And it's very funny at various times. And it's, you know, it is actually enjoyable, especially the first act, I thought, you know, like it is a good game. It's just that the frustration kind of overwhelms at time, especially since it's the last part of the game that is so frustrating. It's what's left in as the taste in your mouth afterwards, uh, where it was actually like a lot of it. I was just kind of like, honestly, so many times I was looking at it and just being like, I can't believe this game like it's so pretty and i love this world and i love the art yeah the conversations you have with people in it are fun and cute and quirky um like what's the what's the girl who um who tends the eggs maggie mcgee mcgee like i love mcgee i want a game Uh, of just mcgee uh and And further yes It's just—it's yes. so funny. I like. Yeah. So there's so many things about it that I absolutely love. It's just that you leave it with a little bit of that sour taste in your mouth that makes it so that it's easy to rant about it. But it actually is very fun and very pretty. And if you have all the time in the world, I also think it would be more enjoyable. Sometimes I think that's yeah. the case. Like when we play these games because we're doing it in a limited period of time. We're also not really allowing ourselves the full experience of if we were just sitting back and like just letting it happen, you know, so it is fun. I would recommend it to people where I'm not. Oh, I wouldn't always do that. I'd say I'd say play it. I would, too. And I'd feel comfortable recommending it to someone be like, and when you get to hard parts, let me know. And like, I'll <laughs> right. hold your hand through it because I'd rather 
As I understand, Jason, your point of like, I would have been pissed at you. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. I, there's no way to describe what's happening on the screen no. over the phone or even if I was looking at it. But at that point, I'd be able to like walk through and be like, this is really hard and it's okay. Yep. Yeah. And okay. I maybe okay, explain but- my version of how I understand it. And I still feel like I don't fully understand it. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, way, way, way more good than, than bad, I would say. Yeah. So easy recommendation. Let, let's sum it up with a beer and a song. Let's do it. That sounds like a great idea, Jason. I don't know where you come up with such fantastic ideas. Let's see if I can find a little musical interlude for that. Yeah, I I bet you could dig up a good one. Hmm. I'll press this button. Beep boop. Beep boop. This game's pretty fun. With frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy 12? That's where all the bumps come in. My it was that was <laughs> that was a perfect choice, Ben. You really are so great off the cuff. I'm glad I recorded that five years ago. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Finally came in handy. All right, Jay, what do you got? Uh, so I went with Pumpkin from oh, Southern Tier. Nice classic. And pumpkin beer is like one of my favorite styles of beer. Yeah, hmm. it is really fun. It actually has like a pretty wide kind of breadth of examples of the styles. One of the best beers i've ever made was a pumpkin saison and so like i i just love this style and pumpkin is something that i am not a big fan of in fact it's one of my least favorite beers wow um which is a shame because again i love the style i love the idea yeah, of yeah, it. yeah and the thing it does is it just does too much of everything mm. um it just really goes overboard it's one of megan's favorite beers so it's, it's still a good beer that people like I, I can respect it and recognize it but when it gets to the the spice that they've added the pumpkin spice like i can feel the granules of the spice that they added in the back of my throat <laughs> and it feels gravelly mm. so Corey, you just said it's a great game that leaves a bad taste in your mouth there you go yeah. pumpkin <laughs> nice I want to jump on that because I had a similar thought process and I didn't intentionally make the same connection. It just wove into what Jason had been talking about. But I had picked warm milk, which I know is not alcohol, but it was exactly what I thought of. Uh, (laughs) Terrible so far. Hear me out here. Uh, When I was a kid and I couldn't go to sleep, like warm milk is one of those things that parents would bring and be like, this is supposed to settle you or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the purpose is, but it's yeah. very soothing to be brought a glass of warm milk before bed. And so it was like, you know, I'd have my little warm milk and I'd be like, oh, I feel like sleepy. And I'm like, I'm just happy. I'm ready to have some good dreams. Everything's good. And then after like five to 10 minutes, you get this like taste in your mouth where you're like, I feel like maybe I should brush my teeth again. Right. I wish I was asleep already. Yeah. If I could have, if I could have just fallen asleep in that sweet spot, uh, then everything would have been good. But now I'm left sitting here like, ah, and that was similarly to why Jason picked his, how I felt about it, where I was like, I, I love it. I'm having a good time. I'm ready. Good dreams. And then I'm like, it's just a little something in there that negates it right at the end. Just hits you. That reminds me, I got to make warm milk for the kids next time they wake up in the middle of the night. That's such a good callback. I'd forgotten about it. It's just like sometimes I, well, not anymore because I don't drink dairy, but like even in the past few years, I would totally do that for myself. Just be like a little cup of warm milk. And I'm like, "Mm, smells so nice. Everything. It's just good. (laughs) Ben is like just consistently shaking his head at me. I think of two things when I think of warm milk. One was a couple years ago. I had a big glass of milk and some pie over Christmas 
my stomach was kind of hurting. I was like, you know what always settles down my stomach? More milk. Big glass of milk. Had a big glass of milk. My stomach hurt even more. I was like, I'll have some more milk. Three glasses of milk. <laughs> Spent the whole <laughs> night vomiting. Found out I was lactose intolerant that day. Uh, milk was no. a bad choice. And then the other one is... Is it going to be what I think it's going to be? It is going to be the thing you think it's going to be. You know it's a bad story if I literally haven't started the story. She just knows yeah. it involves milk. It's, yeah, and it's, it's a more of Corey's show. story than anyone else's. We don't, we don't even need to tell it's it. It's a horror show. We don't have to tell it. Corey, can, can I hear this story, Corey? It's one of those stories that, like, if you want to one-up someone <laughs> in a, like, gross things that have happened to you um, situation, it's a good one. <gasps> Uh, so, um, you remember your, your mom's old car that later became Ben's car. Oh, thank God. Uh, this is exactly the story I was hoping it was. Okay. Yes. It was yeah. like an 86 Toyota Camry. Camry. Yeah. And that, uh, so yes, Ben and Jason's mother had this car. I don't know if this will make it into the podcast or not, but we're going to put it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had, she had this car and at one point, I don't know what she'd been doing. If she was grocery shopping or what, but somehow she had spilled milk in the back seat of the car. Didn't cry over it, though. Did not we cry did. over it. Uh, only did minimal cleaning of it, apparently. Yes, didn't cry over it or any sort of cleaning solution over it either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said she thought that she had cleaned it in some way, but not to the depth that it needed to be. So this car Accurate. is parked outside, warm sun beating on it and all that. And it has started to smell. And honestly, this had to have been like a month or two. This is not like shortly after. We just sort yeah. of accepted that the car smelled a little like sour you milk all the time. all of the details I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it might have. It honestly. It had been a couple of weeks. It had been a couple of weeks. It was a long yeah. time. It was a good long time. Like we really had just accepted this is what the car smells like now. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one day, I think because normally we were sitting in the front seat or I was usually sitting in a different one, but we all three, you, me, and your mother, were all going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And thus I sat in the back seat and I went mm-hmm. and I was like, where's the seatbelt? And I reached my hand down. And when I pulled it up, I was like, what's in my hand? Oh, no, no. And then I realized it was... It was no. moving. What was it? And I had pulled an entire handful of maggots oh, <laughs> out gross. of the maggots. sea. So Just gross. a writhing pile no. of maggots in my hand. Like Guybrush holding a biscuit. <laughs> exactly. It was, I like, honestly, and this is one of my superpowers is I am a very chill person. You were so calm. I remember your voice still. (laughs) I I think something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I think these are maggots. (laughs) I think my mom's response was like, no, (laughs) no, it it couldn't be. No. 100%. (laughs) Solve that problem. Mom. (laughs) Oh, never mind. I'll just strap in. My bad. I, I guess it's not. Oh, I got confused. I got confused about maggots for a second, but you're right. Let's let's just go. <laughs> cool. So cool. okay, they're all looking at me, but I guess you're right. <laughs> you're not maggots. <laughs> Glee says so. Oh. Oh man. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. That's. Not what I meant in my milk, my friend. I moved past it, obviously. Back to warm milk comforting me, but oh my god, yeah. Ben, no wonder you are lactose intolerant. (laughs) You know that would 
Yeah. I just I just don't want you to stereotype. I, I want you to realize that not all milk has to be that way. I will not tolerate it. <laughs> I will not. I will have nothing to do with it. <laughs> not in my car. Uh, all right. I went with Pioneer Whiskeys. Not in my backseat. We missed it. Not in my backseat. Oh. Isla style <laughs> peated whiskey uh, located not too far from me in Talent, Oregon. For like an hour drive from me. Uh, I was drawn to it because it was familiar to me. It was so close, just like I was drawn to Broken Age. My Tim Schaefer is my father. Uh, and just being familiar, obviously, with the oeuvre of Schaefer. Uh, and yeah, however, the the peat flavors and the smoky flavors of Isla that I've grown so fond to over the years were basically nothing like those found in Pioneer Whiskey's Isla-style peat. They aged their whiskey in ex-Isla barrels. And so the peat is just kind of not there. So it's it's somewhat you get a flavor of like, oh, this is definitely like a single malt style, but there's not really any smoke. There's not really any sweetness. There's not that brininess. It's just kind of hot and hard to swallow. It's the LaCroix of scotch. Mm. Oh, that's good. It'd, it'd be yeah. like the LaCroix of Isla, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like someone screaming moss in another room as you drink it. <laughs> like yeah. someone burped in Isla somewhere yeah, nearby. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then for my song, Jason, um, you inspired me to pick this this band. Uh, and I first heard this song with Corey. Wow. Full full, full <laughs> triangle. Um, and that is Sweet Talking Woman by ELO. Oh. ELO. Yeah. Killer song about, I don't really know what it's about. I think it's like a young man searching for truth in a dark world clouded by mystery and deception. So that's kind of both of them throughout their their journeys. And then the song ends with the entire universe being a sham in which aliens and spaceships are actually just hiding as monsters pretending to eat young girls. But really, they're, that's, I'm making that up. That's just the game we played. <laughs> I couldn't think of any more connections. But um, So you didn't think it was maybe a song about a sweet-talking woman? You felt like it was about the guy instead? I was searching. <laughs> Anybody? Searching, searching. On a one-way street. I was hoping, hoping for a chance to meet. Okay, no. <laughs> Uh, it's such a great song, though. It is a great song. That's another great Ben Corey and Seth story, though. Oh yeah! Out of the oh. blue. I forgot that that was uh, that was how you discovered ELO. Yeah, we were stuck. I think it was Five and Frenzy first, but then I I still hadn't heard ELO. I just heard of them. Right. But, yeah. My children will wake me up in seven hours. So that's a and story so that we have it's a good that story, we will not tell. Apparently, Jason. Uh, oh, or, I didn't no. even know that we were yeah going towards it. But anyway, Corey, what's your song? So mine is actually nothing to do with plot or anything at all. It's about sound because I. Sometimes when I play something, I will find myself singing something else every time I hit pause. So like I'll leave the room and then I'm singing it and I'm like, why do I have this in my head? I wasn't listening to it. And I realize it's because of like the feel of whatever I was playing. Mm. And so uh, every time I left the room, I was singing Your Rocky Spine by the Great Lakes Swimmers. Uh, and it's just this like cute little like folky sounding thing, like a little like, you know, plunk plunk sounding uh, song, folk song. And it's got cute harmony in it. Um, and it's just it was what was in my head this whole time. I think walking through the clouds, I could see going along just being like, bung, 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 
<laughs> and that was where my head was. That's awesome. Yeah, so Great Lakes Swimmers, your Rocky Spine, listen to it, and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like this game. I've never heard of the band or that song, but I believe you. I didn't make it up, I promise. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right, Jay, what you got? Uh, I chose Bitches Brew. Um, it is the 50th anniversary of the release of the album. Uh, it can be uh, the whole album or the song uh, Bitches Brew off of the album Bitches Brew. A Miles Davis classic. It's a brilliant, difficult work that always makes me just want to go back and listen to its predecessor, uh, which is In a Silent Way. Um, Bitches Brew was the this kind of journey into free jazz. It's like really complex and difficult and wild. And In a Silent Way is still this kind of transitional album where it's still recognizable as music in a way that I can groove to. <laughs> um, but there, there's some freedom to it. And, and Bitches Brew for me still, I can't. I'm just not smart enough. I don't know. I just can't do it. But man, I really love In a Silent Way. Also, a great beer from Dogfishette. I should have queued it up and had it as both of mine. That would have been good. Yeah, next time. There you go. Uh, although that's a good... Mm, please don't say segue. Since you stopped yourself, please don't say segue. Just don't do it. No, no, I wasn't going to. It was a good metaphor <laughs> a for the segue. game. You weren't smart enough to, to use Bitches Brew as your song and your drink, and you didn't. That's right. Perfect. That's right. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, what else have we been playing? Oh, buddy. <laughs> Oh, buddy. So Corey hasn't really been playing anything. She's been focused no, I don't, I don't really. Games. She's been focused She's on Broken, been Age. broken Every Age every day, just kind of grinding it out. Good for her. Yeah, and not. Uh, I actually have not been playing Gwent. Um, I think I've just playing been playing Broken Age, and you'd think I'd have more time. What have I been playing? I should know this, huh? <laughs> Why did I go first, Corey? Corey, tell me about Animal Crossing: New Horizons. I've been playing Animal Crossing: New Horizons uh, for eighty-five plus hours. <laughs> according to my my switch and the funny thing is i was like man that's to put this into perspective my previous favorite game of all time as you know is yoku's island express according to my switch i have played 25 plus hours of yoku wow the game that i've played the most of i've played about 25 hours of and i have played 85 hours of animal crossing in two weeks can you sell me this game? Jason and I both haven't bought the game. We're both tempted to. I don't want to necessarily buy a like a Farmville right. type thing. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it looks cool. All the memes are everywhere. Everyone's playing it because everyone has time right now. It seems like I want to go and like troll other people's islands and be annoying. I don't want to owe a bank like thousands of dollars right. in like a fake game like I do in real life. So, <laughs> but the best thing about game the appealing? fake game is that you can pay it off so quickly. I keep on paying off loans and being like, yeah, I'm paying off a loan. I will never know this feeling in real life. And that's very exciting. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. The thing about it is I think that this game has something for like everybody in it. So for me, I like to, I like to make money on it. I like to fish. You can go fishing on it. So there's like, I love catching fish. There's a degree of skill to it. And it's really satisfying the feeling when you like actually catch it. It makes like this little bloop and all that stuff. 
So it's like this very, the feedback that you get as you're playing is really fun. Um, So I like to fish. I like to make money. I like to build things. I like to work on the infrastructure of the island. But I also am more of a big picture person and not a detail-oriented person. And if you're using the same switch as someone else in your house, you share an island in it. So Keo loves to do the detail stuff on it. So he's created yeah. a flag and I'm like, I want an orchard over here. So he's created this very like gridded out like orchard in this part of the island that, you know, and he does wow. stuff like that where he's constantly creating stuff like that all day. Then you can fly to friends islands. I love that social aspect of it, of being like, hey, my island's open right now. Come over here and you can get the stuff that you need. If you see something on my island, I can craft it for you or I can buy it from the store for you because you don't all have the same things. So there's an element of like, you know, you can interact with people and trade and whatnot um, in the game. So it's very social. There's the characters are like all these different things. So you can also interact. Like I got this terrible clown on my island named Pietro. How do you get rid of the clown? So to get <laughs> rid of the clown, to get rid of anyone on your island, you tell basically, Isabel he's been swearing. you have to tell Isabel this, like this puppy looking character. You have to complain about them. So like, you know, you go up and you're like, robots. these aren't or AI, yeah. right? This isn't. NPCs. Yeah. It's like, Sorry. these are NPCs. Yeah. Robots, Ben. They're all robots. They're all robots, They're all right? robots Ben. Robots. <laughs> Don't you understand the robots and the Animal Crossing? I'm trying. <laughs> so you have to complain about them, and you're like, I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they talk. Oh, and you have yikes. to not talk to them because you want to be friendly with the people on your island and ignore them until they get so sad they leave. Oh, my gosh. I am too empathetic for this. And literally, God. I was... Because whenever anybody is talking about this, I'm always horrified. I'm like, I couldn't really. That sounds horrible. It was awful. And I was like, I'm going to get rid of this clown. I'm going to get rid of this clown. And then Kia was like, sometimes they'll come up to you and they'll be like, hey, my name is like Core. So like, hey, Core. And they'll like chase after you and you like should turn and talk to them. And Kia was like, uh, uh, Pietro's chasing me. Like, hey, Kia, hey, Kia. And then I walked (laughs) away and then he turned around all sad and I started crying. (laughs) Like, I can't. I like, I, and I turned, I was like, enough, talk to Pietro. We'll keep him. We'll keep the clown. Aww. So I have a clown on my island now, which is, as you know, after 20 plus years of knowing me, not my fave. No. Not my favorite thing. Oh, but yikes. all that to say, so there's like just all these like there's so many games within the game basically and you can have But I couldn't like come to your island and shoot Pietro or anything. No, you can't shoot Pietro. That's not a thing or beg him to leave. But here's the thing. So like you have tools you can use in it um, and you can't use them on other people's islands unless they make you a BFF. So if you want to be an asshole and someone makes you a BFF on it, you could also go and like chop down trees on their island or things like that. Okay. So there are a finite amount of these AI characters. Yes. But there's a good amount, um, but yes. My question is, there's a lot. So people have different, different characters on their island. But Ben, you might have Pietro on your island. Okay. And then you go visit Corey on her island, and Pietro is on her island too. Now, what is Ben's interaction with Pietro like? Does Pietro remember? Mm, that's a good And he's question. like, hey, I'm just visiting Corey right now. Is he like trying to hide yeah, it? Yeah, like, like what's ooh, that relationship? Like, like he's cheating on your island or something? Or is it like a yeah. Dolores Mave situation where it kind of depends on their level right. of sentience? Sure. Where they are. Sure. 
I mean, this is a don't Westworld worry, don't reference. Don't worry. Let it go, Cor. Let it go. Oh, right. You it. want to know less about what I'm talking about. Yeah. If it's the movie uh, Westworld, I'm in. I don't, I don't know anything about your show. But anyway. So, so what happens? I've never had that happen. There's so many characters. There's. But I've heard about Pietro. Like, yeah. I've heard, I know these names. Yeah. Because like, that's. And, like, there's a cult following for Pietro. So when I, I said a thing on Twitter about how I wanted to get rid of Pietro, and I had, like, multiple people, like, Okay, so if you do, if he decides to leave your island, will you let me know and I'll buy him off of you? And so, and I'm like, what? I, what? Yeah, so apparently, when the character moves out, other people mm-hmm. can like trade for them, and it can convince that character to move to their island. We're moving backwards on some of the um, dynamics that I was seeing happening <laughs> with like, um, I was hearing maybe like some redlining, some light redlining, right? Yeah. And now it's just just straight up the trade of human beings yeah. Uh, yeah. for turnips. Yeah. Well, except that the thing is that they want to convince Pietro. So he has to agree oh, okay. to come to their island. So so they're they're giving him the turnips. Right. They're not giving them to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, that makes me know, feel yeah. Better. So they're basically coming and they're like, hey, Pietro, don't you want to come to me? All right. I like this. Uh, how enticing can I make my island? Uh, but basically what they're asking, they're asking you for permission to come to your island to woo Pietro. Sure. Essentially. So like, so if you're I don't facilitating it, you're the middleman yeah. and you still get a, a piece. Yeah. That's like a, like a real estate agent or something. You know, I'm just in between. Do you, you get to uh, wet your beak a bit? Yes. Get it, get a turnip or two. Yes. Oh yeah. Precisely. So all that to say, there's just a lot, depending on what you play games for, there's probably some form of goal that will suck you into it and get you sort of like, you know, going towards that thing that you like to do in games. So I think that's why it's so successful is it's just kind of like, no matter who you are, there's some way you can play this game that's going to appeal to, unless you just like, like shooting stuff, then you're going to be kind of SOL. <laughs> it also seems like the most Nintendo Nintendo game. Ever. Oh yeah. yeah. Like it's everything good about Nintendo and everything offable, offable, offable about yeah. Nintendo. Offable just awful. Yeah. Um, that like Nintendo cannot understand online gaming <laughs> like it's just it's a mystery to right me. yeah but when they get it to work it's like the coolest the gameplay right. itself is amazing and it's like wow i've got actual friends yeah yeah and when the online works in it in animal crossing it's like oh man this is so good i want to see my friends i want to do this it's like okay so how do i make that happen but then it has a terrible interface once you do that like you chatting in game is terrible uh, you yep. have to have an app on your phone if you really want to chat with someone in game. Usually my friends and I just text each other instead. And like getting to the islands is very confusing. It doesn't totally tell you how to do it. So it's like a lot of playing this game is a lot of Googling as well. Like what exactly does this mean? But because people have been dedicated to it for 20 years, right. just about, they know what to do. So the key is you go back to the the DS version and you build up your town that way. Then you transfer that data to your cell phone <laughs> via a PC. Now, when you get that code, you're gonna to need to turn it into a QR code so that you can turn it into clothing. <laughs> then none of the things I've said so far are lies. I may have gotten the order wrong. What? But like, yeah. But if yeah. you're like me and you've never played any of these things, that's, you know, inconsequential. QR in, codes, Ben. You know. The way you redesign your clothes is through QR codes. Well, the, the failed technology from eight years ago. Don't you, I think you can just type in a code now. It's not like a, a QR. I mean, this is this is from the same company that to add a friend, you have to memorize a 16 digit number. 
There's no way my, to literally just search for someone's you know, name or hit a button. One of my friend. pet peeves with this is when I like post a thing and I'm like, here's my code. Add me on my switch. And then everyone just sends me theirs. And I'm like, yep. what did I just say? But you're asking them to do the same thing. But yeah. I said it first. Yeah, nobody wants to do that. Nobody yeah, wants no, to do it. Just because you said it first doesn't mean that you're better. But then, no, because I gave them a friend code, so they have to add one friend. But then I get 15 friend codes to add. That's not fair. They only had to add one, and now I have 15. Ben's system was nice. Uh, here's a link to add me on Switch. If only that link then actually got <laughs> you to add them on Switch. Wouldn't that be cool? all it does... All it does is give you a link to what the code is. Oh, it fucking sucks. Oh, so you still have to type in the code. I, yeah, I went to some like fan created thing that was like, this is an easier way to do it. I was like, sweet, no, type, 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 send it over. All it is is an easier way to display your friend code. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, so it's stupid. It's so absurd. Yeah. The yeah. online element of, of it is definitely the weakest thing. And 95% of the time I do the island hopping in the game because that's you can basically and this is probably the most problematic part of the game is that you can mine resources from anonymous islands yep. uh, and it's just like it's fine it doesn't matter well you know nobody lives here just take everything from it strip mine it strip yeah. mine an entire island but it's also how you make all your money and get all your resources so. wow well, just like real life yeah exactly the reason these nintendo codes are so bad is because they don't want you to do a user generated one because of anonymity issues, because they want the Nintendo to be like a fun toy you can give to your kids. It's a family friendly thing. That's the root of everything. But that's not actually solving that problem. Your 12 year old can share their switch code on Twitter. Right. Right. We haven't we haven't stopped that. I mean, it's the same with Pottermore. Like, it's the exact same. Like, none of this works the way that they think it does. Kids know how to get past it. When Nintendo sees an issue, all they do is tr start making the thing more difficult to do. Yeah. And kids got nothing but time. So like 35 year olds are going to struggle and a nine year old's going to be like, well, no problem. Oh, I love you, Nintendo. I love you so much. <sighs> I know, but it's so damn fun. So what do you get? I mean, that's Keo's in there playing it right now. We now have like a system. He wakes up earlier than I do. So wow. he plays. And then, you know, I wake up, I watch my Today Show and get ready for the day. And then he gives me it to play for a little bit. And then we go about our day. Let, let me tell you about my morning. So <laughs> 630 or seven tomorrow. Uh, that's uh, either 430 or five your time. Um, <laughs> kids are going to get me up and I'm going to make them breakfast and we're going to hang out. And, th and there's going to be daddy's quiet time for about 15 minutes mm. while he drinks his coffee. And and you do not disturb daddy's quiet time. It's a good rule. What, are, what do they do during daddy's quiet <laughs> just time? Just sit and watch. Just have, have I not said that it's my quiet time? How would I know? Wow. They might be lighting the house on fire. <laughs> Cigarette break. As long as they're doing it quietly. I'm, I'm drinking a smoothie. Uh, yeah, I've got, no, I got over your headphones. They can do it loudly. Just as long as I'm on the same room. And then, uh, then I take them off and uh, we're going to have some meditation time. And then Maddie's going to say, Daddy, can we play Final Fantasy 13? <laughs> and so that's what I've been playing. Uh. And it's really nice. Uh, she is she's into it. Uh, so is Harper, although she's more confused by it. Um, <laughs> I don't think she's following the story very well, but but Maddie is. And Harper will just when the, the startup screen comes up and the logo goes across. Maddie yells Final Fantasy 13 and Harper goes Final Fantasy 14. And it's adorable. <laughs> That's adorable. cute. Um, and I'm also past level 100 in ring fit. Um, so I'm very fit and ringy. What is that? 
I've been seeing, because now I actually have friends on the Switch, a lot of people playing it. And unfortunately, a lot of people in a Facebook group that I'm in who are like, oh, you can't get one anymore because everyone's doing it in quarantine. But what exactly is it? So it's a Pilates ring. Uh, Have you seen one of those before? No. It's uh, just a ring of plastic that gives it some tension. So you've got to like squeeze on it and it'll push back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you it, but it connects to one of the Joy Cons, and the other Joy Con goes on a strap on your leg, so it can track you doing exercise and give you exercises to do. So oh. what you then do is in the game you jog in place, and your character runs around the world, and oh. you can like turn and like suck up power ups and like punch open crates, and then you come to battles, and in the battle it'll give you like five different exercises that you can do. So like squeeze the ring together, or put the ring down and do sit ups, or you know do all these different things. Okay. And it starts to get like very, eh, not very, a somewhat complex JRPG style battle system where ab exercises are yellow. And if there is a yellow enemy and you use an ab exercise on them, they are weak to that. So it counts as more hits. And you start like planning out your tree and like, oh, I can upgrade to, you know, the uh, scissor kick uh, or I can upgrade to the wide squat. And the wide squat will get me um, like it's it becomes a complex video game that you get into. And so it's interesting, just enough video gameness that really keeps you engaged. It's yeah, it's very, very fun. And I was like, I, I was thinking I'm in world like 14 or something like that. And I was thinking like, wow, I think I'm at the end of this. I put in like 16, 17 hours and that's just counting the actual exercise. So when you wow. pause to like choose the next exercise, that doesn't count towards that. Uh, I probably wow. played wow. like 80 hours. I don't know, real hours. Over 50 <laughs> days on the game. I was like, I, I bet I'm I'm getting pretty close to the end. And I finally compared myself to other people and I'm about halfway. Wow. Uh, maybe less. Okay. Like there's a lot. And I'm kind of excited about the idea of doing New Game Plus on this and being like, let's crank it all the way up. Uh, my difficulty level right now is 27. And it goes up to 30. So I'm going to crank it to 30 on the next nice. game. Oh, maybe once it's a thing that's available again, I'll have to invest in this. It sounds fun. It's it's definitely going to come out again. They just re- uh, released some DLC for it, a uh, new rhythm game that you can do with it. My guess is they'll have more worlds in six months to a yeah. year. Um, just came out in the past couple months, right? It, yeah, in the fall? December. Uh, no, I think it was October, November, <clears throat> yeah. but it was like everybody's buying it in December for Christmas. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And, and Megan looked at me like last week or the week before and was like, that was really smart that you went out and bought that. Because yeah. it was by was good, the second week of January that they were tough to find, and by the first yeah, week of February that they were like two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. It's literally yeah. At this point, you can't even buy like physical dumbbells on Amazon. Jeez. I looked, and the set that Keo has, he has this um like Bowflex thing, and they're going for four hundred dollars. Price gouging? Isn't that illegal? Price gouging? I think only on necessities. I don't think it is on stuff that's like just just capitalism, a supply and demand. Yeah. It's just straight capitalism. You hold my elliptical. Mm. Oh, nice. Oh, I've been eyeing it the whole time. When'd you get that? Craigslist, uh, like 300 bucks. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about that, but yeah. So the ring fit adventure, all the, anything for fitness indoors is a, a no go at this moment, but I'll have to set an alert or something like that. But for now, I'll let you know when they're Animal back. Crossing. When oh, they're yeah. selling You've got your finger on the pulse. Yeah, he does. Watching out. All right. Yeah, keep, keep me posted. Uh, so, yeah, Final Fantasy 13 and then uh, Persona 4. I hope to have oh, oh. Uh, at least one of those beaten by the next time we podcast. Benjamin. Uh, Paw Patrol on a roll. I don't think I talked about that last month. Go. I think last Do month it. I... I see you playing that all the time on the Switch. Yeah. So I have never played it. 
I played like like for like well, a minute yeah. or two, but yes, my Switch plays yeah. it a lot. Uh, it's yes. My <laughs> four-year-olds and six-year-old played a lot. Uh, they try Goose Game occasionally. They've played uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, and that was a little bit too much for them. So we, we just kind of took it back a little bit to Paw Patrol on a roll. And that's like the most simple version of Mario style platformer. Just kind of like you can't die. You just kind of hit a jump button and go left and right. And you collect dog treats. And it's really, really, it's like a great tutorial, especially for like okay. little mm -hmm. hands that don't have that like fine motor skill and haven't played video games much. Yeah. Like timing is not a thing. You totally. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring out that this button, when you want it to move, the timing of all that is, is huge for that game. So that's been really nice. They're playing that when I wasn't playing Broken Age the past few weeks. And then I'm hopefully going to step them up to Mario, Super Mario 3, Yoshi's Crafted World. Stuff that's similar movements, but a little more complex. Maybe some story, that kind of stuff. Um, I guess that's, I haven't really played much else, guys. Um, that's You're the opposite of everyone else in quarantine right now, where you're playing fewer games than everyone else. Yeah. Stay home dad when with three of my four kids are in school almost every day and the, the two year old yeah. is with grandma. Usually they're all with me 24 seven now. So less time than normal. Uh, I'm definitely have a lot of the, like the walking around the house and like thanking God for me having those like pre Rona purchases for what, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. And like sister-in-law had a baby six weeks ago and it was six weeks early. Can you imagine if she had a kid this wow. week? And just like all Jeez, these things where I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, thank you that this happened. The fact that like <sighs> I have yeah. weights and I don't have to purchase them for hundreds of dollars now. I got them off Craigslist five years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm finally a little bit thankful for my husband's hoarding. Yeah. Because yeah. he has everything. The guy had like, he went through something. He found like an N95 mask. He was like, I think I have one of those. Oh. I was like, had one That's sitting awesome. around. Like, yeah, my mom and my husband hoard. And thus, you know, we were doing a paint class yesterday, had paints. Yeah. Like, That's awesome. So nice. I'm with you. All those pre-quarantine yep. purchases are really coming in handy now. I will say, though, that the biggest hobby that I picked up the last year is running. And Ooh. that's um, apparently everyone's a marathon runner. It is, yeah. When With the coronavirus, no one was outside. Everyone's running now. And I haven't been able to run in three weeks now because I got injured. So the one time when everyone's doing it, yeah. I'm, I'm out of it. But Yeah, and you're just like, oh. Cool, I'll stay in here with my kids. <laughs> Even I'm running. Right, even Corey's running. Jeez, uh, that's rough. I've found myself very jealous of the childless uh, a few times yeah. during this quarantine. Uh, when I see people yeah. putting up eighty-five hours in a game over two weeks, I'm like, cool. No, I yeah. played for like an hour yesterday on the couch. It was awesome. Uh, got yeah. got the kids to to watch cartoons or something while I sat down, and that was great. So, what's our next game? Next game. Uh, let's go with a game that we've talked about. I think every month for the past six months. And Jason, it's your pick. You're really excited about this one. Yeah, finally. Undertale. Undertale. And let's be honest, what I'm excited about is playing a JRPG. And yeah. this is not quite one. This is <gasps> a uh, game made by an American uh, named Toby Fox. Someday we'll play a JRPG made in Japan. Oh, someday. someday. Not, not in Russia, not in America. Right? Gosh, I right. long for this day. No, I, I think that our first JRPG will be Earthbound. And then you'll love it so much that we'll play Mother 3. And I'm excited for that happening. Um, wow. But until then, we'll play Undertale, which is a game inspired by those two games. Let's do it. Uh, Switch, yeah. Xbox, what is it? Uh, everything. It's on Switch. It's on I everything, checked right? that already. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's on everything, Jason says. So add him if it's not. Anything else? I just want to say this reminded me real quick, too, though, that um, now that I'm obsessed with looking at what other games people have played on the Switch, um, I was looking at my sisters, and my sister loves to play along with us when she can. Oh, cool. Uh, and she... 
spent considerably more hours on the Friends of Ringo Ishikawa yes. than I did. Oh, it's so good. That's what. <laughs> Talk to her about it. Like, it. That game is good. Hers, or just put her Yeah, hers me. said 15 plus hours oh, on Ringo Shikawa. I was like, damn, that good job. So, yeah, that made me smile. All right. All right, we did. Any mul- and did we have a month in the news or was it not big enough to. I was going to ask. I was like, did we month in the news? Do you remember what? There is I no know, news. Right. Nope. All right, we'll skip. It's fine. It's, there's no news. No news <laughs> is good news. All right, month not in the news. And you can find us uh, on our website, menoflowmoralfiber.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all over the place. Uh, Twitter's probably the best way to get a hold of us. But if you do want to email us, I do check that every day. It's uh, momfpod at gmail.com. M O L M M. I think that that's become an official letter. P O D at gmail.com. And if you want to support us financially, feel free to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash momf. Uh, and as always, thank you so much for listening. I have been Ben. I will be Jason. Yeah, I'm still Corey. And I am a mighty pirate. And I'm free, free to cleave the infinite void of space itself. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about the knife and the fork and the spoon. They were, they were great. <laughs> <laughs>